everyone, welcome to episode 22 of Horror Press Podcast. It's James and Michael, and I'm joined here today with Ellie. Hey, Ellie. Hello. How have you been? I feel like I haven't talked to you in a while. Oh, it's, I'm good. It's, it's, I've got the February fever, which means I just stay inside and I don't leave the house. I mean, that sounds great. I don't like to leave the house ever. Ah, it's depressing. As soon as I, as soon as I am able to leave my house, I don't want to. And now that I can't leave my house, well, I could technically, but it's cold outside. I don't want to. You know, I mean, it's, it's been just, scaring it's, me because the winter has been very wimpy. It's been a very mild winter. I am being very Pisces about the whole thing, honestly. Like I am very just being a, a bit of a drama queen. Pisces. We're entering Pisces season like tomorrow. Yes, we are. Well, so, next week. Next week. Well, we've, we've only gotten snow, I think, twice in New Jersey since winter started. And we just got snow, I think, Friday night. Yeah, it's been pretty mild up here, too. Um, but it's been snowing all weekend, so... It's very fluffy and pretty outside. It's just... I mean, I'm a weirdo. I want it to be, like, frigid as fuck. I want cold. Like, never bring (laughs) back the summer. Like, why can't we have global cooling and not global warming? (laughs) Well, you should come up here then. It's fucking cold. I would in a heartbeat. Canada won't take me. (laughs) (laughs) Last week... uh, Last week, it was, like, minus five degrees, and I went outside in a t-shirt. Like, I was like, ah, it's nothing up here. This is easy. Yeah. So what have you been up to? Oh, um, just, uh, I've been, actually, I've been, I've been deep diving on Chinatown. Uh, I watched Chinatown again. It's one of my favorite movies, uh, warts and all. Um, and, uh, so I watched it again recently and it, it just blows me away every time. It's like really just a stunning movie. And I don't know who directed it. I don't know who that is. It's a mystery to me. He doesn't Chinatown. Is that like the crazy action movie from like the eighties? No, no. <laughs> it's Jack Nicholson and Faye Dunaway from 1974. I'm trying to picture what movie that is. What do you mean? What movie is forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown notorious line. What do you mean? Oh, you are, you are shaming me today. Stop it. Why? Why am I picturing like this James crazy Michael, action I'm movie? The, I'm ending this recording right now. It's it's over. <laughs> Listeners, what do I do with this man? I don't know. <laughs> Wait, You've so never Faye seen Dun- the, Okay, so the only thing I know Faye Dunaway from is Mommy Dearest. <laughs> I feel I feel really bad now because I really liked her in that movie. She is great. Okay, I know she's a diva. I don't care. If you need to understand Faye Dunaway, you need to watch Bonnie and Clyde, and you need to watch Chinatown, okay? That's right. You're on this crazy, like, neo-noir kick neo-noir, from what I've seen on this. Well, yeah, film noir is my... I, it's a, it's one of my favorite film genres, aside, like, uh, adjacent to horror, I would say. I think thematically it's very similar to horror. Um, but, yeah. This is very lighthearted compared to what you're normally talking about on Instagram. Listen, if you <laughs> if you knew what movie I was talking about, you would not say that. It is an extremely dark movie. It is one of the darkest movies out there. Complicated only by the fact that it's it's directed by Roman Polanski. Uh, mm. You know, um, before he was a fugitive and a known rapist. So, um, yeah, he's a horrible person. And I think he made one of the best movies of all time, despite him being a horrible person. I think. So, 
it's a movie that is made great because of the other people that worked on it, especially you, Faye Dunaway. Do you believe Faye Dunaway, Dunaway's career was ruined because of Mommy Dearest? I think it took a turn. I mean, in 1977, she won, she won an Oscar for Network, and then, uh, and then Mommy Dearest was supposed to be her like big Oscar follow-up role, wasn't it? In the early 80s, or was it later? She she believes that she was like blacklisted because of that. I think she I think she may have been. I mean, the the Hollywood is not kind to female leads, and was not kind, especially not kind back then. And I think she put up with a lot of shit with the, her resume of directors that she worked with. And I think, uh, you know, what are you going to do after that? But she is incredible. She is an incredible, an incredible actress. Agreed. You don't, you don't, Jack Nicholson, he has, got, he has a bandage on his nose the whole movie. Come on. It's, I, I, I do not recall ever seeing this movie. I, I swear, isn't there an action movie sim- that has like a similar name? Maybe. Are you thinking about of, of Big Trouble in Little China? Oh, there you go. That's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Let's move on. What have you Sorry. been up to? Uh, I, how's Twin Peaks going? Twin Peaks has been just commandeering my life like start to finish ever mm-hmm. since we launched HPTV. On one hand, I really do enjoy Twin Peaks. I'm enjoying my experience. On the other hand, it is taking up every bit of free time that I have. I think Twin Peaks will kind of do that to you. It kind of swallows you whole. Yeah, and I'm really doing my best because I want to have some research going into the episode. Like, I will watch the episode twice, right? So mm-hmm. right now, I'm I'm on a schedule of sorts. Monday, I will do, like, yeah. a, a watch where I will take notes while watching it. And then Tuesday, I will rewatch it and just relax. And then Wednesday, we'll record. But, like, after I watch it, I'll try to, like, find out some juicy bits for that episode while trying to avoid any potential spoilers, which is, like, really hard. And I also, like, I don't want to talk about it too much on Twitter because I don't want someone to spoil things for me. So I've muted everything related to Twin Peaks. That's smart. I think it's kind of a hard show to spoil, just uh, because it's, uh, I think the vibes are more important than the plot. Um, well, I'm but... scared someone's going to tell me who killed Laura Palmer. Exactly, exactly. I don't and know if there's much of... mystery past that that can be spoiled. That's kind of the journey that you're on, so. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I'm really enjoying Twin Peaks. I, I'm, I'm kind of interested in exploring David Lynch's work. Like I want to check out Blue Velvet. I want to. I started Eraserhead, and I'm sorry, I hated it. <laughs> I feel like I need. To, I need to early, see it. Work, yeah. I need to see it in like a movie theater, mm-hmm. just so that I am forced to focus. Because sitting on my sofa with an iPad or a phone within no. reach is gonna. It, it just made it too hard. And I got like halfway through it. I think I got up to like a dinner scene, and I was just like, "What the hell am I watching?" I was I like. Think- Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead. It felt like I was watching like an old timey episode of Love on the Spectrum. <laughs> that's very interesting that you said that. Um, I, think I don't, I don't know a, why, but that's what way, it felt like. A good way to engage with David Lynch's work is chronologically go through his filmography chronologically, um, because it's kind of he kind of builds his own universes. He builds a lot of his own references. I think his work gets dark, a lot darker as he gets older. 
Um, but there's also like, um, I, I had a really hard time with David Lynch's work because I was in so many film bro circles and the, the sort of way people talked about his work made me think that it was, or gave me the impression that it was, um, the way he showed relationships was like in a, from a genuine or from a sincere place. And I did not really connect with the work in that way. And it wasn't until someone reframed it as like, he's like almost parodying social norms. It's like almost, um, a, a, an absurdity of, of, of the universe that we live in that I started to really, really appreciate, um, his, his, uh, how he shows people on screen. That's a that's a very vague way of like uh, of talking about his work without spoiling anything. Well, I feel like I owe it to myself to at least give it a shot, especially with Twin Peaks going on. Mm-hmm. But uh, Eraserhead was a slog. Well, um, Blue I'm Velvet excited. I heard is like a baby Twin Peaks almost. They all kind of like blend with each other. I mean, I love Wild at Heart too. Wild at Heart is is great. Uh, Nick Cage and Laura Dern, fantastic. Um, Mulholland Drive is one of my favorite movies. Um, uh, Lost Highway, I've been thinking, has been in my brain a lot lately. I think I'm going to rewatch that soon. Um, there's you got lots of great stuff. Just like you're watching someone's dreams is what was what David Lynch is like. You're watching someone's dreams. So it's not too much about what you're seeing. It's about the vibes you're getting. I I secretly love that. So I'm down. There you go. And but... I'm excited for you to, once you finish Twin Peaks, are you going to talk about Fire Walk with me? So right that, now, yeah. my goal is to just get through season one. Right. And right, see right, what the reception right, is right, like. Right, right. See if I could really hard commit to one episode per week. Because mm-hmm. it's not only just, you know, watching, taking notes, watching it again so that I have a good handle. It's also then record... And then edit all within a week span, mm-hmm. which is what really messes me up. Like we recorded on Wednesday. We're recording. You and me are recording today on Sunday. I have to re- edit this episode and then I have to re- edit Wednesday's episode so that you got this. HP pod comes out tomorrow and then HP TV comes out Tuesday. And then we record again on Wednesday. Then it starts up all over again. Not to mention all the horror press edits for the articles that are coming out. <laughs> You know, I appreciate you and all the work that you do. But I enjoy it. If I didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't do it. Honestly, that's what it, it boils down to. Listen, this stuff gives me joy, so. Yeah, I I, I, I genuinely like talking to you about horror shit. I like talking to Brendan about yeah. basically anything, I guess. Twin yeah. Peaks is great. He's very smart and he knows a lot of shit about horror. So I enjoy the company, so it's not a big deal. The editing is the headache. Yeah. Well, listeners, um, if you've been listening to HPTV, if you're listening to this now, um, you know, let us know what you think. Like, if you enjoy it and you want us to keep going, you know, share, like, subscribe, comment, you know, show us some love. Yeah, and I don't know if you noticed, but we're doing that big uh, Twin Peaks box set giveaway, which I did not think the reception would be so huge for it. I think at this... Mm. The last time I checked, which was, I think, on Thursday, we've had, like, 900 entries. Holy shit. For this TV box set. That's Blu-ray. fantastic. Go get it, guys. Make that make that, make it a 1,000. Come on, let's go. What are you waiting for? Let's do it. 
So did you see Lisa Frankenstein? No, and that's what I wanted to ask listeners. Like, should I go see Lisa Frankenstein or is it something that I can watch at home? That I can wait to watch at home? Because I, I love I love Diablo Cody. I love her I, writing. I do too. But it's it's nowadays it's very hard to get me into a movie theater. It's just also been like like listen, we're gonna talk, we're gonna get into it later, but what we have at the Cineplex these days is it's it's been slim pickings. You're really seeing the effect of the strike of like a six month long strike, you know? It's like yeah. the content is dry. Plus Lisa Frankenstein is just the type of movie that I would prefer to see at home. Mm-hmm. Like there are movies that are like I have to see that in theaters. And then there are movies that are just like I can watch it streaming. Well, that's what I'm curious about. Like, I mean, I've seen some things that of uh, uh, I've seen some people online saying it looks really good. The coloring is great. It's shot really fun. It's like if it's a really visual, if it's a real visual feast, like I'll move my butt down to the th- cinema for sure. But horror press listeners, I I trust you to tell me to guide me. So let me know. Maybe we'll make a poll after we finish mm-hmm. recording today. About yeah, Lisa let's do Frankenstein. It. Yeah. I th- I'm sure it's great. I'm sure I'm seeing a lot of people saying that it's a lot of fun. But yeah, um, and I like to support you know the films that I really like, the filmmakers that I like. I like to go see stuff in, in theater when I can. So it's just a little lacking in motivation, especially after I sat through Night Swim. I don't know if you watched it, but I watched Night Swim it um, the other night, and like I don't know why that movie exists. Night Swim. Did you watch it? I did not, but, you know, kinda. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've lived vicariously through enough people right. to, to know. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, honestly, the idea could be... I'm a scaredy cat at heart. And I'm of cool course. with that because I think any horror fan wants to be scared. To me, the idea of a haunted swimming pool where there's... I, don't, I haven't seen it, mm-hmm. but... The idea of a haunted swimming pool where things can come and go, I guess, like, to fuck with you is yeah. scary. But well, that, yeah. the movie was a hot-ass mess. Oh, it's such a... And, like, um, to me, it's, like, everything that's wrong with Blumhouse movies these days where they're so chopped up, you never get a sense of sitting with tension or with dread. Um, they look so fucking cheap. And I'm like, I would have, if this was like a 40 minute X-Files episode, it would have been sick as fuck. Like, I would have enjoyed it immensely. It's kind of a campy premise. You don't have to think too deep about it. And you're in and out of this universe so fast. But like, it's a feature film. So it's like, can we sit in this world? Can we sit in the lore that they just like drop on you? Can we get a sense of these characters? It's so surface level in comic book. Like, I'm just, I'm so bored. I'm so bored with it. Every time I see the Blumhouse logo, I'm like, oh, God, fucking kill me now. Sorry, that's that's kind of cruel. That's probably a little too harsh. It's just like, I want to see something that terrifies me. I don't want to see candy, you know? It should have been a short. It was a short. It was a short. It was a short that was really creepy. I mean, I, I can see it. Like, that is... I mean, honestly, the same could be said about Skinnamarink, and I know people love that movie, but make it 30 to 40 minutes. That movie would have been sick. But at least Skinnamarink is, like, it's it's on, it's on purpose. It's purposeful, right? Like, that, the, the format of it is on purpose. You can say it's too long, but, like, it's not supposed to be consumable in that way, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Night Swim... I may watch it when it comes out on streaming in like a week, probably. 
Is it already out? I don't know. I, I think I it, it, it could probably be out soon. I wonder how much that actually made at the box office. It couldn't have made a lot. I don't think, I mean, this is the thing with this, it's the like M. Night Shyamalan model of like you make these movies for really fucking cheap, so even if it only brings in like 20 million at the box office, you've made your money, you've doubled, you've made your money back already. So, you know, we'll see. I just like, I just wish, you know, early Blumhouse stuff was really sick and they've just kind of pioneered this like, let's make it for as cheap as possible as opposed to saying like, what really cool thing can we make with this budget that we have you know what i mean yeah and did you see they already announced like a rough release date for megan it got pushed back yeah it got pushed back to like is next december of 2025 maybe oh really yeah i thought it was gonna be in next february i thought it was gonna be a year from now okay so megan 2 according to screen rant Though it was initially slated to release in January 2025, the anticipated horror sequel will now premiere on May 16th, 2025. Mm. See, this is like, this is an effect of like all the writer's strikes and the actor's strikes. Like you have a six month hole in people's production schedule. So everything's trying to be filled up and rush, but not enough time. So anyway. As fun as Megan 1 was, mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be super hard. For to them follow? to improve on Megan too. I mean, we'll see. I, I'm down for it. I just want to see something that has like takes a little bit more time. Like add twelve minutes to your runtime, and you can like really change a lot with the vibe and and the setting and the character building. Anyway, okay, that's a that's my cranky old lady rant. All right, so upcoming horror. Yes. We've got A Quiet Place, day one. I'm excited, not from the franchise, because I kind of have an issue with the franchise, but I'm just excited because Lupita is in it, and I love Lupita. I'm a little confused by this because Paramount specifically announced that it isn't a direct continuation of part two, but it's more of a spin-off prequel. Yeah, it's like about the, it's day one. It's the day that I guess the aliens showed up. But how is it a spinoff? Like, if it's the prequel, wouldn't it just show us what happened before A Quiet Place 1? What makes it a spinoff? Well, because in the sequel, um, you see the day one. Like, you see John Krasinski's family and Emily Blunt's family on the day one, quote unquote. So I guess it's like... So it's not day like, one with their family. Exactly. It's day one with a different family. It's in the universe. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I have some like very nitpicky yet valid, I think, stuff about the Quiet Place universe, but I'm excited for Lupita. If she's in more horror, she's so good in us. She, she deserved all the awards for us. Um, I'm excited to see what she does next. Well, they're planning on releasing it June 28th, 2024. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a lot of fond memories with A Quiet Place in general, just because when the first one came out, there was nothing like seeing it in a movie theater in complete silence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it was almost suffocating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I'm excited to go back to The Quiet Place universe. I don't know how much more they can fucking do with it at this point. It feels like they're just milking it. <laughs> Listen, welcome to Hollywood. Um, did you see the Abigail trailer? 
I did, and mm-hmm. I'm a very big vampire fan, number one. Love vampires. Number two, I really love Universal Monsters. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. This trailer, to me, is giving me the same bullshit vibes that The Invitation gave me, in that it gave you the, the whole Dracula fucking invitation. story. Yeah. Gave you the whole story. Yes. And also, it's like, if Abigail doesn't win, I'm going to be really mad. <laughs> Because she's doing no wrong. She's just existing <laughs> in her house. Yeah, she's a vampire. I'm sure she's killing people. But these people break into her her home. Mm-hmm. She's the victim. <laughs> I had the same. I saw the trailer and I was like, I just feel like I've seen the whole movie. And also, like, the CGI looks so bad. It did. Like, why, why can't we have... Okay. Where are you on, like, the spectrum of... Scary vampire monsters like 30 Days of Night and like Bram Stoker's Dracula monsters. I, I mean, I'll take, I love them both. But they have to be well done because 30 Days of Night vampires I liked. No, but I thought they were great. When she goes vampire mode in this movie, it looks shitty. So like CGI, good CGI is not something you should notice. And I think, um, yeah, I don't know. If filmmakers that are listening, like tell me what you think of, what what your opinion on this is because i've seen a few filmmakers debating like shitting on cgi is like you're you're only shitting on bad cgi right because like you're not supposed to notice when it's there but then there's also kind of like an erasure that's been happening in the industry of like um studios kind of trying to hide how much cgi they really use to make stuff look good um which i think is also shitty because like when you have a good CGI artist or a team of CGI artists behind you, your movie's going to look fucking incredible. And it's like, I don't need a scary face that looks like it's in a video game in my movie to make it, like, scare me, you know? Like, it just looks like I'm watching an animation. I'm not scared. I'm very much in the anti-CGI camp. Mm. Especially, like, when it comes to these type of movies. Like, I get it. For something like Godzilla, Okay. But of course, yeah. A vampire movie. What do you need that for? Like, we've got the practical effects department down. We've got practical effects. We've got great performances. It's like it's not scary because someone has pointed teeth. That's not what's scary. It's someone's body language. It's how they move. It's the look in their eye. I don't understand. How is it that Universal is squandering their monster properties so much? Like they're the OG. <laughs> I think when you have people running a studio who are not creative and don't have a sense of what makes a good story, you get shit like this. And it's clear that the Universal Monsters are here to stay, one, from like a pop culture point of view, but also Universal is doubling down on this because they're opening up a new theme park and there's an entire zone that is Universal Monsters themed. But so- like, look at what makes, you know... The sort of buzzwords in like media in in like Hollywood media right now is like, oh, IP is like what all of these studios are like have this catalog of, of intellectual property IP, right? That they can sell that has value, whatever, because they can keep making movies and products based on this IP. But what makes that IP what made that IP originally so powerful? Something like Star Wars or something like Indiana Jones or something like Star Trek or like all of these things. It was like people creating something really unique and making something really, um, uh, something that you can really dive in and fall into. And that takes like creative people, that takes time, that takes 
um, a lot of artists and a lot of talents that doesn't work in like a corporate structure where you're trying to make profit every quarter. You know what I mean? So like the people that are running the numbers now don't understand how to make good shit. They just don't. It's so a shame. Gonna, yeah. It's but because why content nowadays to... is just disposable. Mm-hmm. Because again, you're not, you, you can't craft something that's going to make you millions and millions and millions of dollars. Um, you know, that's going to be like timeless in that way. You can't craft it overnight. And that's what they're trying to do. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Abigail is a cool idea. It's a very cool idea. And I and the filmmakers seem like, like isn't it the same filmmakers that made Ready or Not? Yes. And I love Ready or Not. So I I'm love... hoping I'm hoping we get some kind of twist at the end the same way we did with Ready or Not. I'm, da- I'm down. I hope it's a blast. Like, I, I hope that the trailer is like the first 10 minutes of the movie and then like, we go into another universe. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, you know, I'm down yeah. for it. If Abigail does not come out on top, your it's team going Ab- to be a boot for me. You're Team Abigail. I can I'm tell. Team Abigail. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like you broke into her house. You were you wanted to ransom this poor little girl ballerina for fifty million to her dad. And guess what? Yeah. It God backfired, God. and you deserve God it. God. Yeah. Like I hope Abigail has a "Don't Tread on Me" flag on her property. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you said that right as I took a, a t- uh, took a sip of my coffee. <laughs> it was almost a disastrous situation over here. <clears throat> Uh, so um, next up we have Late Night with the Devil and that yes. has a release date of March 22nd, 2024. What are I your think, thoughts on this? Um I wanted to I specifically wanted to highlight this movie because I missed it at Fantasia. It was at the same time as another movie I can't remember which one. It was one of the movies that a lot of people told me was their highlight and it's finally getting a VOD release. Um I think it's super weird. I think it's going to be uh, really creepy. It takes place in a TV studio. Um, I think it takes place all in the TV studio, all in one night. Um, so I'm down for it. If you got to see it at Fantasia, let us know in the comments if you're excited. But I'm fi- excited to finally be able to see it on my own. It looks really cool. Mm-hmm. I'm tentative, though. Mm-hmm. Only because I'm not the biggest David Dusmelchian fan. Oh, okay, okay. And I feel like I'm probably the only person on the fucking planet with that opinion. He seems to be, like, the hard darling when it comes oh. to, like, horror movies. I don't think I'm familiar with his work. I just knew I mean, that, the like, last one he was in was in that Dracula pirate ship movie. Oh. The Last okay. Voyage of the Demeter or whatever. Nah, whatever. Exactly. Like, I think if we look at things objectively, he's mm-hmm. very mid you talking about the actor or the director? The actor, David Dusmalchian. Oh, well, I think actors are just going to take a page. You know, sometimes you just got to take a paycheck. What are you going to do? Did you see that people were bitching on Twitter because a lot of the promo artwork that was used in the trailer was all AI generated? For Late Night with the Devil? Yes. Really? I missed that part. I, it, you know what? I don't know how people can pick up on these things. When they released that trailer maybe two weeks ago, whenever it was, mm-hmm. people were on it and they were like... These losers are using AI, blah, blah, blah. I totally miss that. It's not like a major part of the trailer, but it's like the creepy Halloween images that serve as transitions. Oh. 
So it's, literally it's split seconds worth of content, but people were still freaking out about it. It's a big issue because I think, um, like, True Detective, I saw the latest season of True Detective has been getting some flack also for using, like, AI posters as set decorations or AI generated posters as set decorations. It's it's a it's a huge it's going to be a huge issue because like all of those little details that used to be human made that go into making a set or making a story sort of feel um, more organic. People are going to slash budgets by using AI. So a stuff. part of me, I have two sides to this. As a tiny small horror content creator, okay. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't have the budget. It's very hard to come up with media for all the things. But when you're a big budget company that's making mm-hmm. things like HBO or whoever's making Last mm-hmm. Late Night with the Devil, there really isn't much of an excuse other than well, to cut corners. Late Night, I think, is a is an indie production. But, like, no, you're right. And I think the issue and is not And Issa really Lopez's based... excuse was, like, nonsensical. I don't know if you read her response. I don't know how much control she actually has over that show. Um, By the way, but... I do love True Detective. I don't want to shit on it, but <laughs> I mean, you got to call it the AI because the AI is coming for everyone. Well, what I was going to say is I think like people will debate on like people will say like, well, just don't use it. Don't use it. But I think the issue isn't the user on the user end. It's on the tech companies end that create it and that scrapes uh, a scrapes uh, IP out there um to generate these images without permission and without paying into the material that they use to program their software so i like to direct my criticism primarily at the ex- that the people that design this that are not paying into a system that compensates people for the work it's like yeah of course this is a tool that tons of people are going to use um graphic designers are already using it to like extend backgrounds and you know it it, it the versions of this kind of AI already exist in visual effects, um, but it, it's it's about co- it's about the compensation. It's like you're slashing budgets, you're you're saving money, but you know, is it even? Pay- is you're it not even? paying workers more, so like you're just hoarding those profits. You know what I mean? It's crazy to me that they want to cut corners on little things like that. Meanwhile, they'll have three hundred million dollar budgets, and then cry when they don't meet that. Well, like, we can talk about that in a minute because I think I have like a conspiracy theory about like the budget numbers that they've been announcing. Do you? Yeah, but first I want to talk about the last couple of things that are coming out. We have Maxine. Maxine, when is the release date for Maxine? We've been teasing this since last year. What's well, going on? Okay, so there there may be multiple things to talk about with Maxine. Number one, yes, the release date. We haven't gotten it yet. We haven't gotten the trailer either. And I think a lot of people were watching the super bowl specifically because there were rumors that the trailer was going to come out during the super bowl and that didn't happen that seems like a dumb rumor i don't know what do you think were you up it was it? very prevalent i didn't watch the super bowl i did not care about the super bowl it was i didn't even know what was happening until the day of <laughs> and then there were a lot of people complaining that there was no maxine trailer during the super bowl and i was just like well if you watch it for that that's on you yeah, I think that's on you. I just, I don't understand why. We got Pearl last year. They announced Maxine then, and we still haven't seen it. Anyway, whatever. Whatever. Who knows? But and also, then, we're getting the whole thing with the lawsuit against her. Yeah, For, I'd be interested to see more about that lawsuit. 
I don't know much about it other than apparently she was like berating someone in a bathroom and then she kicked someone in the face during shooting. That's what the lawsuit is alleging. Yeah. It's lawsuits are so tricky because like sometimes people can just file insane lawsuits and then, and then it goes nowhere. And then it goes nowhere because you can do that. You in the US you can file crazy lawsuits against people. I'm not saying that it's not true or anything. I'm just saying like you've just seen like what one person is filing in the lawsuit. So So April's going to be the month of spiders. <laughs> yes. April, it's legit going to be the the month of spiders. I didn't know that Infested was a Shutter movie, which kind of has me excited. Um, I'm not. And why not? Because <laughs> it's spiders. I don't want to see a fucking spider horror movie, let alone two spider movies. It's mm. crazy because we haven't had a spider movie in a while, and now we're getting two in one month. Plus, we're getting one with... Uh, it's a, So Infested, formerly known as Vermin is french so you know they're gonna do some fucked up shit because they love to have like really hard horror movies and then but also when i was um looking up research for this episode i noticed there's this movie sting that's coming out in april about a girl with like a big pet spider that like eats people um coming out of australia it's it's, and i'm like i can't handle two uh spider movies in one month these plots are bonkers (laughs) (laughs) Let's just get that out of the way. They're, they are insane, okay? Mm-hmm. The Sting one I find to be slightly more insane, but very fitting for an Australian movie. It's literally a girl, I think she finds a, a spider and keeps it as a pet, and then it starts growing? That's what the plot synopsis was. Which also, if you're in Australia, why are you fucking around with spiders? Like, you should know okay? better. So many of them will kill you in Australia specifically. Yeah, so apparently she, she finds a spider, it starts to grow, like, humongous, and starts just, like, feasting on family pets in the neighborhood, and I think it starts making its way to people. I'm um, I'm assuming it's going to be a terrible CGI movie. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it'll be great, you know? Like, remember the days where we got, like, really cool giant tarantula movies in, like, the 40s? Like, why can't they do that now? Why do they have to make it CGI? Sometimes the CG, sometimes the CG looks... As good as, like, movies did in the 40s with, like, which I mean, by which I mean, it's clearly fake. Well, uh, I'm more interested in Infested. Infested? Infested, like, I took a look at that trailer. I noped through the whole thing. Yeah, I recorded my reaction to it. Yeah, on our episode. Yeah. Um, And so the synopsis for that one is slightly more or less nonsensical says, Caleb is about to turn 30 and has never been lonelier. He's fighting with his sister over a matter of inheritance and has cut ties with his best friend. Fascinated by exotic animals, he finds a venomous spider in a bazaar and brings it back to his flat. See, it's your own damn fault. It only takes a moment for it to escape and reproduce, turning the whole place into a dreadful web trap. No thank you. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No thank Mm-mm. you. And the images, and knowing the fact that they used real spiders in this. Mm-mm. Sir, No. Nuh-uh. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you, but also yes, please. Show me something that's fucked up. I'm begging you.
So I wanted to highlight two very different marketing campaigns that we've been seeing in the last couple weeks. And let me know what you think, because I know all you horror nerds were fully gagged when the Long Legs uh, campaign was finally kicked off by uh, neon-rated films, which people rave about A24. Don't sleep on neon-rated, guys, okay? Neon-rated has your needs covered. Um, And it finally has a release date, um, July 12th, directed by Osgood Perkins. It looks fucked up and weird, and I'm excited for it. What did you think by the slow drip uh, teaser, poster, trailer release for this movie? So I saw a lot of mentions of this movie. And Mm -hmm. I felt so out of the loop because normally when they start promotion for movies, it's like, bam, it's there. Yeah. And um, I saw the poster. A lot of people were talking about it. And actually on the Horror Press Discord, I was like, what Mm. the hell? What is this? Yeah, Why is everyone talking about long legs? Just like a weird, a, a zoom into a family photo and like just a weird sound. That was the very, very first teaser that came out. No, no film name, nothing. Just like, yeah. That's all I really know about it, to be honest. <laughs> that's you that's all. That's that's all I want to know about it, too. I'm but I think that's and getting they, more people to talk about it. A thousand percent. It So the visuals that they have released look sick. It's a clear vibe. We know it's horror. Nicholas Cage is going to be in it. Um, They've released a very brief synopsis, so it's kind of like an investigation into like a family thing, um, plot structure. But other than that, we don't know. And we have to wait until July to see this movie. So it's, it's, I hope it's as good as the vibes are. You know what I mean? Like, I hope it's not kind of like a, just a very talented marketing agency. Although if it is, kudos to them because they're doing a great job. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to compare that to another incredible marketing campaign that has been going on lately. And that is that one of Madam Web. Oh, Madam <laughs> Web. Possibly the most cynical, soulless terrible uh, marketing effort that I've ever seen. To tr- to, I don't even know why does this movie exist. Is Sony trying to make something terrible? The wonderful thing about this is I feel like we have been we have been kept out of the wonderful world of press tours for a while. Mm, and our mm, reintroduction true. to the press tour world is basically Dakota Johnson Dakota Johnsoning. And, you know, her heart is not in this, period. Period, no, and I at lo- all. And that's why I love her. Because she's just sitting there and being like, I don't know. She's doing the I don't know her for her own movie. And I think it's brilliant. She's doing the Mariah Carey I don't know her for her own I don't know what to make of this movie. I haven't seen it. And honestly, okay, full disclosure, I'm a relatively, relatively above average superhero fan. Mm-hmm. Okay, like mm-hmm. I grew up totally immersed in whatever shit that was coming out, the X-Men animated series. I used to watch all the cartoons. I used to read all the time. I, I am so fatigued by these superhero movies. Of course. So fatigued. And 20 years ago, 
25 years ago. It would have been my dream to see what we have now in the world of like cinematic hero movies. But I am, it just feels so empty, vapid, and soulless. The movies are on just conveyor belts just being pumped out. And I don't know what's going on anymore. And if someone that has a working knowledge of the lore is totally lost because I've missed one or two movies, I can only imagine how normal people feel. Oh, I mean, there's there's no, I have no interest in seeing any of this. But when you look at, Look at the clips that have been leaking online. The budget for this movie was $80 million, which is low in comparison to other superhero movies. But that's that's a lot of money to spend on something that looks so cheap, you know. Uh, have um, you been seeing the memes? Oh, yes. I've been, com- I've been following all of it. Yeah. It's inexcusable, the things that I've been seeing. <laughs> Well, and just, like, the way that they roll, like, the weird marketing tie-ins that they did for this movie, like, like they're like, oh, you can see Madame Webb's suit on this, like, juice cup at whatever chain restaurant, and it's like, okay, that's not Dakota Johnson's body. The posters don't look like her face. She's a beautiful person, and, like, her face is CGI doll fuck. Um, the dubbing too I've been seeing is like off. The ADR apparently is really bad, which which tells me that like it's been chopped up in post production like a million times. So who knows what the script was like when they first started making it? It just uh, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know who asked for this movie. I don't know what the point of this movie is. I think it's some kind of like very cynical, like need to fill in like some kind of copyright situation for sony i don't, I don't know. know if that's even the case like honestly <laughs> madam webb is such a niche character i don't I know how it like no one no one i can't imagine like i would love why can't they give us a black cat movie right give us felicia hardy as the black cat like tie it in with spider-man that would be awesome so here's my here's my big my big brain conspiracy but like i think so they say that they said this movie cost them eighty million dollars and it's that bad. I think sometimes studios are trying to lose money for tax write-offs. I think they're trying to. Oh God. I think it's a way to hide money. You just, my brain went on such a tangent, and I think we should talk about this. Okay. Well, the, the Acme, Warner Brothers, exactly. HBO, Batgirl, yeah. Wiley yeah. e. Coyote. My brain, yeah. sorry, it's just going, and it's just yeah. like. What so is worse, that they give us Madam Web, yeah, yeah. or they just write it off and just bury it? What is worse, so, in your opinion? Well, so you're referencing Warner Brothers Studio to finally not release a completed movie once again, uh, which was called Coyote, Coyote vs. Acme. Um, and it was a movie that was testing very well, that was very popular. It was a movie that was very supposedly very well crafted. And they've decided to not release it, not sell it to anybody else, because they'll just take a $30 million tax write-off for it. And I think, um, and the, I think the plot, just so that we throw it out there, is Wiley e. Coyote is taking Acme to court, to court because yeah. of all the products that they've sold him over the years have backfired. Yes, yes, which is which is great. And it's and it's a sort of a live action with animated uh, mix in a way that we looked. It looked the stills that we saw looked incredible. Like if you're a fan of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, um, you know. I, I just think that, like, we're in this sort of what I was referencing earlier where it's, like, you're trying to make money on the quarter. You're not trying to make money 
over a five-year period. Um, and when you're trying to make money on a quarter, these decisions make sense, but you're burning your reputation with creatives. You're burning your reputation as a legacy. Um, and I think both are equally bad. The reason, like, the budget numbers sort of, like, sparked a flag is that, like, uh, ever since the strikes last year, I've been sort of digging into, like, this pro- this term called uh, – this term – People use like Hollywood accounting, quote unquote, as a way of, which is a way of like uh, hiding profits. Um, So like very popular movies will sort of on the books look like they lose money because it's a way of cutting out people that had a deal. It's like, I'll take a lesser salary if you give me a cut of the profits. So then you hide the profits. That's so shitty. It's, I mean, Alien, the people who produced Alien had to take fox to court because they said it didn't make any money even though it was in theaters for 11 months um like uh, uh lord uh peter um who did lord of the rings come on now peter jackson uh, P- peter jackson had to sue new line because they said the lord of the rings trilogy lost money how it's, it oh it's uh, hollywood accounting and so i've been seeing this whole last year apple has been really getting into content creation and i've seen them throw around this number a few times for different projects oh they bought this ip for 200 million dollars they spent 200 million on killers of the flower moon they apparently bought the rights to the whole Ar- this whole argyle franchise the movie that flopped recently again 200 million. So I feel like they're just throwing this number out. We're spending 200 million on this. And it, it's like sort of projection, Did, bluff, like big tech bluffing. I think it's also a way to hide money because then you can write off the loss. Who thought Argyle was going to do well? I need to know. Oh, who knew? I saw that CGI cat and I was like, this is going to be bad. I do not have time to get into that, into Argyle. I, <laughs> it's a two and a half hour movie. It's the right time is 220. Why? Why? Sorry. Anyway, listeners, what do you think? Am I being paranoid? Um, am I going crazy? Do I need to leave my house? Have I been cooped up here too long? I don't know. I just, I don't see the point of just writing it off, honestly. Like, you made it. It's done. Put it on your HBO Max. Put it on Netflix. Like, it's. A, I don't think anyone knows what they're doing anymore. That's the thing. Like, why is HBO well, it, it, selling all their content now back to Netflix after taking it off Netflix for their own service? It makes sense if you're trying to make profit in the quarter for your shareholders exclusively. If that's your goal, if that's your primary goal, then it makes sense. Too big brain for me. It's not big brain, it's small brain. It's dumb brain. It's too it's too dumb for most people to understand. So, let's start talking about another big piece of news. Yeah. With Christopher Nolan saying that he wants to get into our Yeah, he was he so Christopher Nolan's in the middle of his Oscar campaign, which will likely be very successful. He's won all kinds of awards already for Oppenheimer. And uh and it's it'll be an if he doesn't win the Oscar for director, it'll be an upset. Let's say it let's put it that way. At this point. Um but yeah, in conversation with the British Film Institute, he was uh, talking about how interested he is in the horror genre. I'm just going to read this quote. And he said, it's one of the few genres where, you know, um, these studios make a lot of these films and they're films that have a lot of bleakness and a lot of abstraction. And they have a lot of qualities that Hollywood is ge- generally very resistant to putting into films. But that's a genre where it's allowable. Um, and then he went on to talk about how there are elements of horror in Oppenheimer, which I agree with, especially the uh, explosion sequence, um, and that he'd be interested in making 
a horror movie of his own. And what do you guys think? Aside from, are you a Nolan lover? Are you a Nolan hater? If Christopher Nolan wants to make a horror movie, let him make his fucking horror movie. Because I'm sure we'll <laughs> never not hear about it. It'll be constantly talked about in the most pretentious, annoying way ever. I'd just be excited for Hoyt Van Hoyt, uh, to like, to like shoot another horror a horror movie, because you know his cinematographer, who's pioneered so much IMAX stuff, is also the guy who shot Nope with Jordan Peele last year, which was one of my favorite movies. So, um, I don't know. Christopher Nolan and James Cameron are two people that I'm just like, please, please, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to listen to them ever. <laughs> it would be very insufferable because it would suddenly we'd have to go through another round of like is horror actually valid now that like one of these mainstream directors has paid attention to it so i don't know we'll see where that goes but to be clear i think christopher nolan has accomplished a lot he's a very good filmmaker mm-hmm. so is james cameron like they've both have have done things to really advance made... filmmaking both of them they... They've made incredible technical feats in their movies. Yes, but they're also just annoying. <laughs> I just like, I mean, my beef with Christopher Nolan is like, look, if he does not write it, I'll be happy. Because I think his best movie is The Prestige. And um, that wasn't his story. He adapted it from a novel. And I think it's it has the best characters of all of his movies. I think it's the most intricate of all of his movies. I think, my, I think- my issue with Nolan stems from him at one point i don't have the exact quote but he he said something like a really shady about hero movies and i'm like you do remember you made three (laughs) like you're you're the one that is responsible for like rebooting the whole hero fad Mm -hmm. with batman am i gonna get canceled if i say that the nolan's batman trilogy is bad no i i would more or less agree with you (laughs) i'm afraid listeners. i'm not a big fan of the batman movie so Let's move on to our next topic. Maybe we'll come back to it. Okay. This is not a, this is not a comic podcast, so. So, Starship Troopers. Yeah, Starship Troopers has been trending on Twitter. And you said you hadn't seen I it. I hadn't seen it. And I remember oh. when this came out when I was, like, a kid. And people were really excited for this movie. I don't remember much about it. I, I don't even know, like, what it's about. So, Starship Troopers. Okay, I'll give you a synopsis. I just rewatched it. Um and it's great there's bugs uh, space bugs yeah so paul verhoeven the director uh he's the guy who made he made showgirls he made uh, basic instinct he's very he's a weird dude okay so he made this movie um it's an adaptation of a book and the story is basically earth is super militaristic and they're at war with this other planet that's like in, filled with bugs. So they just, it's just a movie where they're like going to kill bugs. These big, uh, big, big bugs. They call them bugs. Um, so uh, the book itself was written by someone who's like a very open libertarian right winger. Um, it's a very pro fascist book. Um, and Paul Verhoeven, who himself grew up in Nazi occupied Poland, um, he uh, sort of uh, usurped this book and ad- ad- adapting it to make it a piece of anti-fascist propaganda. And what he does is he takes this story and he frames it as the film itself is is a piece of propaganda. There's elements uh, from this like very fascistic dictator organization that's controlling Earth. Um, 
So it's it's and it's it is not subtle. Ruben is many things. He is not a subtle filmmaker. So it's very like he uses um, like the the uniforms that the military wears are very reminiscent of Nazi uniforms. The language that they use is very much spouting fascist ideology. Um, and it even says it in the opening scene. The our young heroes are in school and their teacher says you know the social uh, what does he say the social. Um, or the intellectual socialists, uh, you know, had destroyed our democracy, so the veterans rose up and to take control and stabilize everything, right? Which is, like, the most fascist-coded thing you could possibly say. So I've heard debate about this movie. Some people will criticize it for saying, like, it's not... Um, it's too subtle still. It's it's it, it can still be read as, like, fascist propaganda, um, which I think is, like, a criticism that's, like, an interesting conversation to have. But it popped off on Twitter the other day because someone was saying it's a bad movie because it doesn't parody. It just fails at parody. It's just a fun action movie. And then people were trying to point out the links between fascism, <laughs> the fascist imagery. And they were like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. It's just a dumb movie. <laughs> like, um, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it completely devolved into insanity. Is there a reason really why it's like, all of a sudden pop back like are they gonna make a new one no but i would say a lot of the language and propaganda that is featured in this movie is very reminiscent of an ongoing conflict where you call your enemy uh unintelligent you call the land barren uh you uh, espouse that it's better that they are all dead um than to uh negotiate uh, uh, the film posits them as, 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 uh, the earth is being defensive and yet they're the ones that are always invading the other land. Um, there's many parallels that you can draw between ongoing conflicts and this, and this tweet itself, like this thread itself devolved into, uh, racism where the author of the tweet ends up, the criticism is like, oh, here the left is coming to say like, we should just negotiate with the bugs, um, and then devolves into someone saying something like, oh, you know, don't worry about the bugs. He just wants to set up a bug shawarma stand to send money back to his bug family. Um, so I'd say Twitter is, you know, these guys are showcasing themselves of like, they're drawing the parallels themselves and sort of telling on themselves. But I would say I would offer to you like in the movie, the sort of heroes are themselves very cruel to each other in many ways. They get injured. Uh, they don't really care about each other's safety. Um, and if that's how they showcase their own, quote unquote, how do you really, how would you really trust how they talk about their enemies after seeing how they treat their allies? Huh. It's a good question to ask. You should go back and watch Star Starship Troopers. It's great fun, very gory. Also interesting, uh, ask yourself when you're watching it what they choose to censor and why. I'll just check it out. A little tidbit. I'd... It's great. I love how it looks. I love the uh, – it's very dark. Um, it's it's very – It's it, the action is great in it. Um, is there a lot of CGI? There is, and I love it. So it's, like, bad. It's, it's very purposeful. Like, it has this very, like, flat tone. It looks... You know what it looks like, actually? It looks like a Scientology propaganda video. So, 
So is there anything that you're excited for coming up? I'm really excited for, you know what I'm actually really excited for? I'm excited to go see Love Lies Bleeding with Kristen Stewart's gay as fuck Rolling Stone cover. (laughs) So where can people find you? You can find me at Bad Critic on Instagram. Also on Twitter, but I never tweet. Uh, unless I'm yelling at the Prime Minister of Canada. That's fine. Don't worry about that. Don't follow me there. Um, y- you can also follow me on Medium if you don't want to be on meta platforms. Um, I try to post everything I write on Medium as well. And um, you can follow me on Letterboxd too. Uh, it's very trolly, my account, but you can follow what I've been watching. That's that's it. That's all. Where are you? What's the, the on, handle? On, on Letterboxd? Yeah. Bad Critic. Bad Critic. So, like, I started the year with, I'm going to watch one movie per day. I know. And I have fallen behind. Well, you've got two that you got to watch right now. But I'm going to have to do, like, one per day because I'm so behind. Twin Peaks. It's Twin Peaks. I have no excuse. Twin Peaks is 40 minutes an episode, okay? The first episode was, like, two hours. (laughs) Oh, that's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. And I watched it, like, a hundred times. I still can't believe that the pilot was filmed to be a complete story start to finish with, like, a conclusion. Did you know that? Yes. I I don't understand how David Lynch... They tried to make David Lynch mainstream in the 90s, between that and Dune, and I don't understand. I'm glad he went off and made some weird-ass movies on his own. Well, anyway. Follow me on Twitter. I don't use it that much ever since it's turned into a shithole. But definitely follow us on Instagram, at LLC. And I'm on Letterboxd if you want to see how terrible I am there. Um, ah, real blogger. <laughs> and um, check out our Patreon, please. Do it. Yeah. Help. JM does a lot of work. And uh, uh, And I promise it'll be used to like make things better. Yeah, throw in a couple bucks and then it goes right, to, right back into the content. Yeah, so don't be afraid to reach out and let us know what you think. And be sure to leave us a review on your podcast app of choice. Be kind, though. Don't be mean. Someone gave us like a three star review and I they didn't even say why. So like I will never know why they hated us. Give us a five star review and then you can say mean things. Yeah. As long as it's five stars. Absolutely. Give us five and then just, you know, talk shit. Yeah. Talk your shit. Yeah. But give us and five stars. And if it's stars. really clever, we'll read it. Yeah. We'll read it on air. Even better, yes. Give us a five star review and I'll read your terrible review. Yeah. Um, I might not, but we'll see. Alright, so Thanks for joining us for episode 22. It's been a nightmare. And we look forward to seeing you soon for the next episode of the Horror Press Podcast. Bye. Bye.